that uh, I can't honestly say that this message has been in the makings for very long. I, I made it about three months ago because I like to be three month, months ahead, but I have changed it every day this week. <laughs> and I changed it again some more, more this morning. So I don't know what's going to come out, but we'll see that. But I, I realized this morning it is time for us to leave. I came in and I went to my desk and I found out my coffee cup was gone. <laughs> and I knew I had not packed my coffee cup. <laughs> and so I looked around the church and somebody had taken my coffee cup and washed it. <laughs> so now all the flavor is gone from it. <laughs> And I think somebody was saying, it's time. <laughs> but first, we're going to look at Genesis, starting with chapter 11, verse 27. If you recall several months ago, actually it was the first of the year, I said I wanted to get through Genesis 1 through 11. We're going to do that this morning. We're going to finish that and actually look at the first verse of chapter 12. Now, these are the records of the generation of Terah. Terah became the father of Abram. Nahor and Haran, and Haran became the father of Lot. And Haran died in the presence of his father Terah in the land of his birth in Ur the Chaldeans. And Abram and Nahor took wives for themselves. The name of Abram's wife was Sarai. The name of Nahor's wife was Milcah, the daughter of Haran, the father of Milcah and Iscah. And Sarah was barren. She had no child. And Terah took Abram his son, and Lot the son of Haran his grandson, and Sarai his daughter-in-law, his son Abram's wife. And they went out together from Ur of the Chaldeans in order to enter the land of Canaan. And they went as far as Haran and settled there. And the days of Terah were 205 years, and Terah died in Haran. Now the Lord said to Abram, go forth from your country, from your relatives, from your father's house to the land which I will show to you. And I'm going to, I realize that's not the full message to Abraham but we want to get through chapter 11. So I'll let you read the rest of it as we weave some of the threads together there. But years ago, back in the early 20th century, in London, there was a newspaper ad that said this. Men wanted for a hazardous journey, small wages, bitter cold, long months of complete darkness, constant danger, safe return, doubtful. Now, would you answer that? Uh, Sir Ernest Shackleton, the famous South Pole explorer, said he was overwhelmed with the response he received. He said it seemed as if every man in Great Britain was determined to accompany him as he made his journey to the South Pole. As I think of that, I'm reminded of Jesus' words in Matthew 16, where he said, If anyone desires to come after me, let him deny himself, take up his cross, and follow me. Are you willing to answer that call? Men were willing to go to the South Pole and risk their lives. Are we willing to give our lives to Jesus Christ today? Do you ever wish you could get up on your email and there would be a message from the Lord saying, here's your marching orders for today. This is what I want you to do. Wouldn't that make life so much easier? And yet I wonder, 
if we got such an email, would we do it? Would we answer that call? Uh, Or would we come up with 101 reasons why we shouldn't do it? And so perhaps it's better that we don't get some of those emails. But uh, Abram was a man who got a direct message from God. He had received a call from God. And that's what we want to look at as we finish the first 11 chapters here of of Genesis. Abram means exalted father. His name was later changed to Abraham. And I'm going to fall into the trap of switching back and forth today. When I first started going to church as, as a boy of about eight years of age and I heard the stories from the Old Testament, I always heard about Abraham. It was years later when I realized he started out as Abram and I can't fully make that switch in my mind. And so if I say Abraham, it's Abram that I'm, I'm referring to here. Abraham means father of many nations, but he received a call from God. Actually, if you search the records out, you're going to find out he received two calls from God. In Acts chapter 7, the first martyr of the church, Stephen, as he was giving his defense there in in verse 2 said, Here, my brethren and fathers, the God of glory appeared to our father Abraham when he was in Mesopotamia, before he lived in Haran. said, Depart from your country, your relatives, and come into the land that I will show you. So God first called him when he was in the land of Ur. He went with his father as far as Haran, and then they stopped there. And that wasn't exactly where God had commanded him to go. And so after his father dies in chapter 12, if you go down to verse 4 there, the Lord comes and he speaks again to Abram. And he he commands him to go and finish the journey that he he had set out upon there. I find encouragement in that. How many of you, and I don't need a show of hands on this, but how many of you, when God reveals something to you or God speaks to you, how many of you do it the very first time he speaks? Or or do you wrestle with it sometimes? Uh, I don't think I'm the only one that does that. Uh, uh, You know, the Lord says, I want you to do this and did I really hear that? Is that really what God is saying? And, and we've come up with all kinds of excuses. Aren't you encouraged to realize that if God asks us to do something and we hesitate, that he's going to come and speak again and, and again and again until we, we get the, the message? And that was the case with Abraham. We want to look at his call today. We want to look first at the circumstances of the call that, that he had for us there. There we go. I realize I skipped chapters 11, verses 10 through 32. We, we picked up some of those details last week. And as, as you read through those chapters, I want you to realize chapter 11 is very similar to chapter 10. As a matter of fact, it's covering the same time period and the same events. Uh, it, uh, it is not in a, a sequence there. You don't go from chapter 10 to chapter 11 when you get... To chapter 11, you go back over what you went over in, in chapter 10. So don't try and put them in chronological order there. They're, they're covering the same time period there. It's just the, the same as what we saw back in Genesis chapter 1. We had the account of creation. And then you moved into chapter 2, and guess what? 
you had the account of creation again. Only it had different details being added there. So you put the two together and you get the full story. That's the same thing with chapter 10 and 11 here. But one or two things I want you to notice out of that is uh, it begins uh, with, uh, well, before I even get to that, if, if you do the math, and I know some of you don't go in for math. <laughs> I don't understand that. that. That's the best subject in school, but... Uh, some of you tend to skip the, the math part here. If you do the math, you will notice that the ages are declining here. You, you have Noah living 950 years. You come down to Shem, and that's who we start with in, in verse 10 of chapter 11. He only lives 600 years. And you go on, and, and it goes downhill from there. The, the lifespan decreases until you get to Psalm 90, verse 10, where it speaks of the fact that our lifespan today is three score and 10. Now, three score and 10 is how many? 70. And if by reason of strength, it's 80 years. You know what that means? That means a lot of us are pushing the limits. <laughs> we, we, we don't like to think that, but, but, but we are there. And you wonder, well, why, why did that happen? Well, Sin took its effect, and as time goes on, it got worse. And, you know, as, as I think about that, I, I'm not discouraged by the fact that God isn't giving us 900 years to live. How many of you would want to live 900 years like you are today? Uh, I, I don't think so. And so uh, God knew what he was doing in, in that. But I think there's a reason here for the time span if you take the time to trace that out, and, and I've actually done that with uh, our Bible study when we first came here. We, we started the book of Genesis out at Jump Off Joe there. And I, I traced out all of the time spans. For, if, if you put those time spans together, you will notice that the record from Adam to Abraham only had to go through four different individuals. I think God was preserving the accuracy of, of what he was giving there. Uh, the, the farther it goes, the, the more apt it is to get corrupted there, but it, it didn't happen that way. He, they were able to pass that on within uh, four people there. But uh, notice that uh, Shem lived up until 25 years before Abraham passed away. So he lived much longer than Abraham, but he was alive and well when Abraham was born. Uh, Jewish tradition holds that Shem, after Babel moved from the, the land of Babel or Babylon to Salem and became the king of Salem or the king of Jerusalem. And it's very possible and Jewish tradition holds to this viewpoint that the Melchizedek that you read about in chapter 14 was actually Shem. By that time, his father and mother were, had passed off the scene. He had no descendants left, and uh, he, he was the oldest uh, li li living one of in, in the world at that time. And, and uh, that's a sobering position to find yourself in, but... Uh, that that was the, the case there, and I, I it's very possible that Terah and Abram set out to find Seth or Shem. Excuse me. Uh, yeah, they, they they perhaps were seeking to worship 
the true God. They had that desire in their hearts. I believe Abraham was already worshiping him, but Terah vacillated back and forth there. But the call was to leave Ur. Now, that's kind of meaningless to us today because we don't hardly even know where Ur is in our thinking, do we? We, Archaeologists have discovered it. I'm going to give you some details about Ur because I think it adds a little bit of insight into the call of Abram at this point in time. Ur was one of the most modern cities in its day. Most of the houses that have been excavated there were found to be 40 by 50. So that's that's a pretty good sized house, 40 by 50. When you stop and consider that most of them were two stories and had a 15 by 15 foot courtyard in the center of them, most of them had indoor plumbing, which is something that we don't usually think about when we think way back there. But they did have a water system that brought water into the houses. And uh, most of them had a small chapel where they worshipped in. And they also had a, a small classroom. So those of you that are homeschooling today, that's not unique to our day and age. That's been around long before public school came into being here. They, they, they did their, their teaching at home there. As they unearthed the city, they found exquisite artwork in many of the homes and over 100,000 clay tablets with messages written on them and so forth. So it was a very well-developed society there, writing and, and so forth. And I think that adds a little insight into the call of Abram and Sarah. They left that to live in a tent, Abraham, for over 100 years. Would we do that? If God called us, would, would we be willing to leave the comforts of Ur and, and go to the unknown and, and live in that? I, I always admired my, uh, my mother-in-law. I, I do not understand mother-in-law jokes. I, I, I was blessed with a tremendous mother-in-law. At her, Ginger's father retired from the school district in Spokane when he was about 55, 56 years of age. He qualified for his pension. He decided to take it early. And he had always wanted to be a pioneer. He was born about 100 years too late. And so he retired. He sold their place over in Elk, Washington. They moved to Alaska and pioneered a place out in the middle of the wilderness. They had a very beautiful home, uh, all the conveniences of it. They went out, built a little cabin, no electricity, no running water, and they lived there for, what, 15, 16 years uh, before health issues took, took them away from there. And, you know, in all of that time, as much as he enjoyed it, I'm not sure that, that Gloria enjoyed it as much as he did. And yet I never heard her complain about the hardship that it was to, to live out in the in the wilderness out in in the middle of Alaska there. But would we do that? Would would we leave our comforts if God said, "I want you to go somewhere else"? Uh, it, it they went, and I'm not sure why uh, Tara went, but. Uh, in, in the city of Ur, the primary god that they worshipped was Nana, the moon god. 
And perhaps it was because of that that Terah chose to, to leave. And then they get as far as Haran. And guess what? They worship the same God there. And so it was comfortable for Terah to settle down and, and just, just stay there. Okay, I went part way and, and things are the same, so I'll, I'll just stay here. Uh, perhaps he chose to worship the idol. In Joshua 24, in uh, verse 2 there, it speaks of the fact, Joshua said to the people, Thus saith the Lord your God, From ancient times your fathers lived beyond the river, namely Terah, the father of Abraham, the father of Nahor, and they served other gods. And so he had a problem with idolatry. He knew the true God. Genesis 31, 53 speaks of the fact that, that they, they had a knowledge of the true God. He chose to try and worship both, evidently. Now, I don't think that Abraham did. Uh, uh, I think perhaps one of the reasons the Lord singled him out was, uh, if you go to Exodus 20, verse 3, it says, Thou shalt have no other gods before me. And I, I think that was the case in the life of Abram, that he chose to worship God. But you know, when you stop and think about that, I wonder if there's a message in that for us today. When you come to the New Testament, there's some warnings. Well, Joshua, first of all, Joshua 24 speaks of the fact that he challenged the people, choose you this day, which God are you going to serve? If it's Baal, serve him. If, it's, if, it's, if God is God, then, then worship him. But don't try and worship both of them. Jesus in Matthew chapter 6 said, no one can serve two masters. You, you just can't do it. It just doesn't work there. And then you come down, and the, the sobering part for us, I think, is 1 Corinthians chapter 10, verse 14, where Paul, writing to the Corinthian church, says, flee from idolatry. It's possible for us, if we're not careful, to have an idol in our life. First uh, John 5, 22, uh, John, as he records his final, what was perhaps his final message there, says, little children... Keep yourselves from idols. What is an idol? It's anything that is more important to us than God. It's anything that keeps us from fully answering the call of God upon our lives. It keeps us from answering the call that God would give to us. And with that in mind, let's look at what the call was for Abraham here. He sets out with Terah and his family and you'll notice it was very detailed there in verses 27 through 32, listing the family. We didn't have that in all of the other genealogies here. But if you read the rest of Abram's story, most of those individuals play a part in his life or the life of Abraham or Isaac or Jacob. So he's giving us those details in advance here. But as we look at the call, three things come to mind here. First of all, he said, Abram, I want you to leave your country. Now, Lou testified to the fact that she left her country and she was thankful for it. But that's a hard thing to do because we get comfortable where we are. We lived for 16 years as landed immigrants in Canada. And yet we chose during that time to keep our U.S. citizenship. We, we had the opportunity to, to renounce it and become Canadian citizens, but we just didn't feel that that's what God wanted us to do. And I still remember after something like 15 or 16 years, we came back. I came back to go to school. And we're, we're living in Portland. I'm going to Multnomah. And, and they have a, 
a basketball game, and I we hadn't ever taken our kids to a a good basketball game. Uh, they'd seen some high school ones, but not college ones. And so we we went, and, and I, it was early in the school year, and they started the game with the national anthem, and that brought tears to our eyes. It, it really did. We hadn't heard it for years, and, and it, it just suddenly it just felt like. We're home again. And, uh, and yet God was saying to Abram, I want you to leave it all. I want you to live as an alien in a far land. Leave the security of your homeland. Leave the protection of your clan. Uh, to go to a different land, a different culture where they have different gods, different patterns of behavior. In a sense, he's saying, I want you to leave the familiar. I want you to leave the comfortable for the unknown. Not an easy call. Would we be willing to do that if God came to us and, and called us to do that? Then the second part is, I want you to leave your family or your kinsmen here. Now, I, I, I realize as I read that, that we probably all have some family members that we would be happy to leave <laughs> or happy if they left. <laughs> but all of them, the, the, the whole clan, the whole group, uh, that's a, a little bit different there. That, that was a, a difficult call for him. I remember f- over 50 years ago now, I left my home of origin to, to go to the mission field. And, and I didn't fully realize the extent of that call at that time, but I can count on the fingers of my two hands the number of times that I got back home in those 50 years. Uh, we, as a family, we drifted apart. Uh, I maybe contact my brother's once a year, maybe twice a year, we, we know so we don't really know each other anymore. We, we, we've lived different lives, and this is what Abram was facing as well. The, the cost was difficult for him, and perhaps even more difficult for Sarah, as she had to wrestle with that as well. And the third part of the call is, I want you to go to an unknown land, a land that I will show you. In other words, God's saying, when you get there, I'll tell you. You, you. you just keep traveling till I tell you this is it. Settle down here. It turned out to be Canaan where they were headed for originally here and got sidetracked. Uh, I don't know about you, but I don't mind moving. Uh, I've done my share over the years. But I really like to know when I set out where I'm going. It, it, it helps to, to know that... that uh, where to, where you're going and, and, and what the, the, the future holds there. But Abram didn't even know that. The fact is God called and Abram went. And again, as I look at that, I wrestle with the question is, how quick do we obey when God asks us to do something? How quick do we obey when God says, I have some service for you to do or, or I want you to be involved in some ministry? Do we struggle with that call? Do we say, well, when you explain it all and I get it all figured out, uh, maybe I'll do it. Uh, One of the problems in a church is we depend on volunteer service and volunteer work. You know, one of the things I found out with volunteers is they like to wait until they find out, is there something better for me to do that week or or that night? And if there's not, then I'll serve. Uh, we don't do that on the job because we want to get the paycheck, but volunteer service, you don't get a paycheck. And so we can pick and choose, and we don't always serve as 
God calls us to serve there. We struggle with that at times because it takes the third thing here, a commitment. God calls us to a commitment. The call was issued. What was required of Abraham? First of all, he had to make a step of obedience. We read in Hebrews chapter 11 and verse 8 that when Abraham was called, it says, by faith Abraham went out, when he was called went out, obeying by going to the place which he was to receive. Didn't know where it was, didn't know what was going to happen along the way, but God called, he obeyed. Thus he became known in Isaiah 41 as a friend of God. He also in Romans 4, 17 is spoken of as the father of many nations. Simple enough, isn't it? God had spoken. Or is it that simple? You know, when it comes down to our own lives, I think of James chapter 4, verse 17. James 4 says, Therefore to him that knoweth to do good and doeth it not, to him it is sin. I wonder how many times do we know what God wants. We just don't do it. God says that becomes sin in our lives. We have to at times take a step of obedience. What does that mean for us? We, we get a glimpse of God's will in Romans chapter 12. In, in verses 1 and 2 there, it speaks of the fact, I beseech you that you present your bodies a living sacrifice. It speaks of that as God's holy, perfect will for our lives. But, you know, it's easy to read Romans 12, 1 and 2, and never stop and ask, how do we work that out in our daily life? What does it mean to be a living sacrifice? It means that we are going to obey. We are going to do what God wants us to to do. If you read that passage, he goes right from presenting yourself as a living sacrifice to revealing the fact that everyone has received a gift. And that gift is given to us as part of God's will to be used for what purpose? To glorify ourselves, to please ourselves? No. First Peter chapter 4 speaks of the fact that we are gifted so that we can serve one another, so we can be a servant in the church of Jesus Christ. Are we willing to serve? Are, are we willing to do whatever it is that God asked? Jesus was in the Garden of Gethsemane, remember, He prayed, not my will, but thine be done. Are we willing to do the will that God has for us? Are we seeking to cooperate with what he wants for us? It also took an act of faith. Again, that's emphasized in Hebrews 11. By faith, he went out. By faith, in verse 9 there, he lived as an alien in a strange land. And by faith, he lived in a tent for a 100 years. Never fully receiving the promise of a land. Uh, although God said, this is your land, he had to buy just a little portion of it for a burial plot. Never received all of the promises, but when you come down to verse 13 of that chapter, it says, all of these died in faith without receiving the promises, but having seen them and having welcomed them from a distance, having confessed that they were strangers and exiles on the earth. For those who say such things make it clear they are seeking a country of their own. And of that country from which they went out, they would have had opportunity to return. But as it is, they desire a better country that is a heavenly one. Therefore, God is not ashamed to be called their God because he had something better in mind 
for them there. They heard the call. They responded. Right lesson in a devotional book, Never Forgotten, Always Loved, said these words. The richest blessing of God in your life, blessings of God in your life, are best understood not by what it costs you to follow him, but by understanding all you have gained in obeying the call. Think of that for a minute. Not by what it costs you, but what have you gained in answering the call of God? To go where he leads, he goes on to say, means you take the higher ground. To take up your cross means you have drawn closer to his heart. To keep your hand to the plow means your eye is on greater riches. Like Abraham, you look for a city to come. Like Peter, you're a pilgrim whose journey leads to an inheritance that shall never perish. Like Paul, you count all things but loss to gain Christ, the pearl of great price there. And and, and as I think of that, I want to draw together the, and I've got to go to page two here. I've never, I've only done that once in this church, (laughs) but I I just keep adding to it. So I'm on the second, my second page, but uh, I I want to weave together that what we looked at in chapters one through 11, and I'll do it very briefly here. If you go back to chapter one, what's the major event in Genesis chapter one? Creation. In the beginning, God did what? God created. What did he create? He created a a beautiful, a a perfect environment for Adam and Eve. That was the whole purpose, the whole design for it, it there. It was his desire to bless Adam and Eve. And then you move into chapter three and there comes the fall. They chose to disobey God. They fell. And if you read through those chapters again, you'll find that right after they fell, God gave them a new start. The coats of skin made that sacrifice for them so that their sins could be forgiven there. And you will see that repeated. You come down to the days of Noah and they were total, the society was totally against God. And God sent the flood. And yet we, we saw just a few weeks ago that when Noah came out of the ark, God started again, a brand new start. His, his desire again was to bless Noah and his family. And you see that pattern, those threads woven together all throughout the Old Testament. And then you come down to the New Testament and again, we see the same desire of God to bless his people. He begins to weave together those threads in what we call the church today. Uh, it's his desire to bless and yet, because of sin in our lives and in the world, we don't fully receive that blessing today. We're looking forward to eternity, or we should be looking forward to eternity. John chapter 14, Jesus said, I go to prepare a place, a home for you. Just as he did with Abram, had a place prepared for him, he has a place prepared for us. As I was thinking about that this week, I thought of Philippians chapter 3. In uh, verse 20, and I don't know, yeah, I, I did get that far with you. Okay. It says, our citizenship is where? In heaven, from which also we eagerly wait for a Savior, the Lord Jesus Christ. This world is not our home. Our citizenship is in heaven. In First Peter uh, chapter 2, verse 11, it, it speaks to the fact, I 
Beloved, I urge you as aliens and strangers to abstain from fleshly lusts and so forth. But notice he calls us, if we're a child of God, we're aliens and strangers in this world. This world, as the, the songwriter has put it, is not home for us. God has something better in mind for us, like Abraham. We look for a place that is prepared for us. And yet, if we're not careful... We live as if this world is home. John chapter 2, in verse 15, he says, Love not the world, neither the things that are in the world. And yet, how often do we get caught in loving the things of the world, and it keeps us from answering the call of God. In Matthew 16, uh, Jesus said, You can't, or Matthew 6, excuse me. Did I say, yeah, it should be 624 there. He said, you can't serve two masters. You can't follow the world, serve the world and serve God at the same time. And so are we willing in faith to believe that if we leave our comfort zone, that, that if we have to set aside some of our comforts, if we have to, in a sense, live in a tent, are we willing to believe that God has something better in mind for us? Are we willing to set aside the things of this life to follow the call of God upon our lives? If there is something that keeps you from tied to this world from following God, you may be wrestling with an idol in your life. You need to be careful of those areas. It may be a possessions. It may be a person. It may be ambition. What is it that keeps you from fully following the call of God upon your lives? For us, God has called us to leave. We're not sure yet what God is saying in that it's a step of faith for us but in taking that step of faith God is calling you today to take a step of faith it's gone it's kind of forced upon you it maybe wasn't your choice but uh, you're facing a step of faith as well it's time to recognize that God is moving you out of your comfort zone to something better what that looks like I don't know Only God does. But are we willing to say, okay, Lord, I'm going to cooperate. I'm going to do whatever it is that you're asking of us at this time. I I had to smile when I gave the the board a list of 18 things that needed to be taken care of that Ginger and I have been doing here. You know what? That means somebody, not just somebody, but several people have to step up to the plate and step into those areas. I, I was encouraged to, was it Monday night? We had over 30 individuals step forward and say, I'll be involved in BBS. And they came for, for the training program. I, I think that's an encouraging sign as, as we face the, the, the future here. But are we serious about the work of God's church today, of his plan and purpose? I think this is a good time for each of us to stop and ask, do we really want God's will? Are we answering his call of what he is asking us to do? I like the attitude of Isaiah. When he saw the Lord high and lifted up, he fell on his face, and God said, who will I send? Who will go for us? He said, here am I. Send me. I think it's time for us to do that. It's time for us to recognize that God is calling us for a reason. And I want to close this morning and I realize I'm over time, but that's that's okay. You can't fire me because I'm leaving. <laughs> I can go as long as I want this morning. 
Uh, I want to close with a few verses from 1 Corinthians chapter 3. And this will not be on, on the board. So I think you're done with, with my notes. This has all come since she received a copy of my notes. But in 1 Corinthians 3, starting with verse 10, he says, According to the grace of God which was given to me, as a wise master builder, I laid a foundation. Another is building upon it. But let each man be careful how he builds upon it. For no man can lay a foundation other than that which is laid, which is Jesus Christ. But if any man builds upon the foundation with gold, silver, precious stones, wood, hay, straw, each man's work will become evident, for the day will show it, because it is to be revealed with fire, and the fire itself will test the quality of each man's work. If any man's work which he has built upon it remains, he shall receive a reward. If any man's work is burned up, he shall suffer loss, but he himself shall be saved, yet so is through fire. Do you not know that you are the temple of God, and that the Spirit of God dwells in you? If any man destroys the temple of God, God will destroy him. For the temple of God is holy, and that is what you are. And I would suggest as you read those verses, read them, first of all, collectively. God is speaking to the church there and those that are part of the church, but also read it individually. You have been called of God for a purpose and reason. It was our privilege over the years to to lay a foundation from the word of God. God has said, it's time for us to move on. We do that with sadness and yet with celebration as well. Not that we're leaving, but celebrating the fact that God has something more for this church. God is going to bring somebody in that is able to take you to the next level. And, and, and yet, as I say that, I recognize that it's up to you to listen to the call of God. What is he asking you to do in that process? And are you willing to answer that call? And I'm going to challenge you today as you think about that to take some time and focus on the eternal. Focus on that which is eternal today. Because when you read the book of Genesis and you look at the lives of Abram, it was what was set before him. It was the promise of something beyond the grave there that that kept Abram going. What is it that is eternal today? Now, we know that God is eternal, but there are two other things in Scripture that we find are eternal. One is the Word of God. Uh, Jesus said, heaven and earth shall pass away, but my Word will never pass away. So, we need to continue to focus on the Word of God. That was our challenge as we came here. That's what we attempted to do. And, and, uh, you know, as I look back or thought back, there's only one and a half books of the Bible that I didn't cover here. I I didn't do Jeremiah because Don did that for us. Uh, And uh, so I I stayed away from that. I I didn't do most of Song of Solomon, and I didn't do about 20 of the Psalms. But in in our different Bible studies and groups, I covered the rest of the Bible. I, I laid that foundation. But it's up to you to live that word, to take those principles and put them into practice in your life. The word of God is eternal. The second thing that we find that is eternal in Scripture is the individual souls of mankind. God has given us eternal life. God has programmed that into us, 
We either spend eternity with him in heaven if we've accepted him as our Savior or we spend eternity separated from him. But those two things are the things that I believe God is calling us to focus on today. Are we obedient to his word? And then are we doing whatever he asks us to do to reach those souls with the gospel message, to give them an opportunity to spend eternity with God in in glory? Uh, Or are we focusing on the temporal, the things of this world, the things, are they more important to us than reaching the lost for Jesus Christ? I, I would suggest there's nothing else in life that is eternal today. Uh, We have a beautiful building here, and we thank the Lord for it. But you know what? It's temporary. It's not going to last forever. You don't believe that? Look at the pictures of the cathedral of of Notre Dame. And now they're telling us it's about ready to collapse, that they're not sure they can save any of it there. It uh, stood for a couple centuries, but it's it's gone. And, uh, you know, if we're not careful, we get hung up on the temporal. Things become more important to us than God. Things become more important to us than than reaching individuals with the gospel message. And, And you know, when you stop and think, who are you going to spend eternity with? It's not the things of this life. It's the individuals that you have the privilege of helping come to Jesus Christ. Think of the joy of being in eternity when some of those kids grow up and they come uh, they accept the Lord and they grow up and they follow the Lord and you're walking down the streets of glory and somebody taps you on the shoulder and says, thank you. I'm here because of you. We can't take anything of this life with us, but we can sure see souls come to Christ and be in eternity with us. So what are you willing to do today for the eternal? What are you willing to, to do to answer the call of God? so that his work and his program will continue, so that this church will be a factor in this community, reaching men and women, boys and girls, with the gospel message. What sacrifices are we willing to make? For Abram, it meant leaving his homeland. It meant leaving his family. It meant going to where he didn't even know where it was. And yet he answered that call. And I would suggest today that God is calling each one of us Maybe to some area of service. It may be something that he's asking us to, to do today to further his work here in, in this particular part of his, his church and his location. But the question comes, are we willing to answer that call? Are we willing to say, Lord, I will do whatever it is that you ask me to do? Or are we going to get hung up on the temporal instead of the eternal. Are we living for eternity today? Let's pray, shall we? Our Father in heaven, I just want to stop and say thank you for the privilege of being part of this church these past 11 years. We are now as a church in a time of transition, and I would pray that each one of us would take the time to listen for your call, to take whatever step of obedience you may be asking of us and in faith to move forward to the glory of Jesus Christ. Give us the courage to evaluate where we are in life of the life of this church. 
Are we merely content to be comfortable? Are we willing to step out of that comfort zone to accomplish the work that you have called us to do? Father, I'm going to ask you individually and collectively to reveal any areas of idolatry in our life, any areas where the temporal have been more important to us than the eternal. Give us the wisdom to deal with that today. Show us the path that you have for us. I would personally stop today and say thank you for Steve and Karen. As they come as interim pastor, I thank you for their willingness to to lead our church at this time. I thank you for the wisdom that you've entrusted to them, and I'm going to ask you to bless them and to bless their ministry in a special way. Make us receptive to their leadership, we pray. And may this church during this coming year grow and mature, and may it be used to touch the hearts of many people in this community to the glory of Jesus Christ, we pray. Amen.